Hey, welcome everyone to I So Appreciate You, an honest, raw, and sometimes funny podcast about work, community, life, and all the other stuff we juggle. Hi, I'm Puhua. And I'm Nadej, and we're colleagues at the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. In addition to that, we're friends. And so when we talk, our conversations can run the gamut. We can start talking about board meetings and governance procedures. We can get into mother-daughter dynamics, and then we can be like, where are we going to dinner tonight? I prefer that conversation. And so we thought that maybe some of you would like to join us in conversation. So here we are with I So Appreciate You. Welcome, everybody. In this week's episode, we're talking about inclusive leadership. There is so much, Nadej, for us to dig into around this topic, from how white colleagues and leaders can find better ways to work with people who are different from them, to how people of color often feel the pressure to mirror their white colleagues to fit in. We'll be joined by Christoph Beck, the president and CEO of Ecolab. Now, Pahua, we've we've got another article here, you and your articles. We love to read. I know, I know. And so that's going to be kind of the catalyst for our conversation. And the article is, How Inclusive Is Your Leadership? by Salwa Rahim Dillard, uh, available at Harvard Business Review. Why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what this article is about? Now, I want to say that Nadej and I likely would have come upon this article, but it was assigned reading for work. It was assigned reading, (laughs) which is a rare, rare thing, but... And also a good thing, right? I think it's good that we take the time at work because this is also part of the work, right? Making sure that we are constantly learning. And what this article essentially is about is about how many managers are ill-equipped I'm going to pause here and say leaders of color as well. So white leaders and leaders of color, we are ill-equipped sometimes to lead and connect with black, indigenous, and employees of color. And until white leaders become more skilled at bridging, and what that means is connecting with people who are different from them, and how BIPOC leaders, leaders of color, we need to become more skilled at bonding, connecting with people who are similar to us. Mm. And... This article, the the way it was framed was there have been a lot of socially conscious CEOs um, making big declarations, especially following the murder of George Floyd. Right. And so one of the reasons why we asked Christoph Beck, president CEO of Ecolab, to join us is what's his journey? What did he think of this article when we shared it with him? And what are the things they are doing differently, if anything, at Ecolab around making their workplace more inclusive. This is such a meaty topic. And, you know, I want to circle back because we told folks it was required reading and they're probably thinking required for what? Well, actually, (laughs) this was part of a journey. Our leadership team was going on. And so we spent um, several months really working together on our equitable leadership as a collective as well as individually. And so I'm really excited to dig into this conversation um, with Christoph. And actually, we're going to take a tiny, tiny departure from our usual format because right about now we'd start joking about celebrities and saying what did you eat what'd you wear (laughs) you know all of the important things in life but actually we're going to jump right into our conversation with Christoph. sound good sounds good all right we'll be right back thank you for tuning in today if you've not yet had a chance to listen to past episodes of i so appreciate you visit spmcf.org backslash podcast to catch up You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to us right now. Hey, 
And we're back and super excited to welcome our guest, Christoph Beck. Christoph. Great to be here. Happy to have you here. So before we get started, before we dive in, we, we do one thing with every guest. Every guest. We call it three quick questions. Are you ready? I am. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> you've been, <laughs> you've been ready. All right. Yeah, you got this. You got this. So when you go to the movies, popcorn or candy? Popcorn. That's the right answer. Actually, both of them are the right I answer. Let them. me be really honest. They're both the right answer. <laughs> yeah, candies are too complicated. I love those popcorns. <laughs> and you can pass them to your kids and you drop them. It makes it much more fun. It does. It does. Okay. If you need a, a snack, would you go for a salad or would you go for fries? I would go for fries, but my mom would prefer I went for salad. Fair enough. And the final <laughs> question, are you a cat person or a dog person? You know what? I've become a dog person. I loved cats and I've fallen in love with my current dog called Maxie and we have a great relationship and I've become a dog person. That's fair. That sounds like you weren't a dog person before. That's what my kids are saying. Mm. And I'm saying now I didn't really like dogs, but now I have to admit I'm a totally dog person. All right. Well, thanks for that. Let's tell our listeners a little bit more about you and why we thought you'd be a great guest on the podcast. So first, you are president and chief executive officer of Ecolab. Prior to joining Ecolab in 2007, which you've held several roles, you were also senior executive at Nestle for 16 years. And before that, even, you worked on a space shuttle project for the European Space Agency. That's right. Whoa, that sounds really cool. A so-called rocket scientist. <laughs> no. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing great. This is so cool to see real people. I know. That's so a we're big in difference. studio. We're we're you know appropriately distanced. Absolutely. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, unfortunately, and you know glad that you could be here with us in person because I've only seen you via Zoom. And the reason why I've gotten to seeing you um, quite a bit recently is because you are on our community impact committee and you are on the St. Paul, Minnesota foundation board. And so I've, I've seen you interact not only with me, but with our staff and with community members. Cause what people might not know is for our community impact committee meetings, we have these learning sessions where uh, the committees bring in our nonprofit leaders and we hear directly from them about their work, the impact that they're making out in the community. And one thing that always happens after these meetings, especially with you, is they'll go, hey, who is that guy who said he's the CEO of Ecolab? Is he really (laughs) the CEO of Ecolab? Because that guy was funny. He was making uh, jokes. And it made me think, why is it that they think a CEO can't show up in that way? And I also think that it's important for them because you are relatable and they have a connection with you enough that they reach out to me afterwards to A, to see if it, you are real and you are who you say you are, but also that it was a breath of fresh air, right? Do our CEOs show up in these ways? And uh, according to them, um, based on what they've said, maybe they don't know uh, as many folks like you mm-hmm. who, who show up in that way. So what are, you, what, just, what are your impressions on that? Why do you show up in this way? 
It's a great question. I'm not exactly sure why. You know, it's not scripted. It's not that I'm trying to pretend. It's not that I'm trying to fake anything. You know, it's it's a bit thinking about my own childhood. Mm. Uh, my kid's dream was to become a car mechanic. And I was working in a garage um, when I was 12 or 13 years old. And that was what I wanted to do. Uh. My mom didn't see it that way. Yeah. And the rest is a bit history. So anything that went beyond being a car mechanic was a plus. So it's not that I was looking for, you know, becoming this big leader, this, uh, this uh, uh, personality, celebrity, CEO, whatever that is. No, I wanted to have fun in life. I yeah. wanted to do cool things. I wanted to be with people. And I love people. Uh, I can't live just by myself, uh, which is driving my family nuts uh, sometimes <laughs> because I can't eat by myself at home. I can't have room service. I need to be with people. Uh. I go to a restaurant, which is why COVID has been terrible. Yeah, uh, for me, and that's why I love you. Being an together off with the you. charts extrovert like me. Might well be. Check on your friends who are extrovert. We're dying. <laughs> are you saying the extroverts are struggling? Yes. I'm. You know, the I need hugs. I need live music. <laughs> I need a room full of people. Yes. Same here. Yes. Doesn't happen much with COVID, no. unfortunately. But when you're like that, when you need people, it's because you love people. You want to be with people. Yeah. You want to relate to people. And for me, the only thing that matters is making sure that people around me are successful and happy. So I, one of the things you said, sorry, Nadege, I'll no, let you go in, in a second. One of the things you said in an earlier conversation that you and I had is that um, as you move up in your career, it becomes less about you. Expand on that. Which is a very difficult thing to do because that, ga that goes against everything that you've seen, everything that you've read, everything that you've learned. And thinking when you think about um, athletes uh, who became uh, famous or, or leaders or musicians or whoever, you have the feeling it's about that person and you think it needs to be about you ultimately. Right. You end up on the last floor in the corner office and uh, what's important is how you feel, what you earn, what you get, uh, how people behave around you. And I've learned that um, early uh, on my journey. And I have to admit that someone who's been a mentor um, yeah. to me for many, many years warned me about that and mm. said, you know, when you grow as a leader, you need to clearly understand that the more you grow, the less it's going to be about you. And this is something that I thought would be easy when I listened to him and said, yeah, okay, I, yeah. I get that. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, you think it's the right thing to do to make that shift because when you start in an organization, on a team or in a garage uh, as I did as a kid, well, it's about you because mm -hmm. it's, it's what you do. You, you're doing your work, you're helping others. Um, well, you do your job. Right. But when you grow as a leader, there's a moment where it's not about you anymore. Nobody cares how I feel and nobody should care how I feel. How is my life? What matters is truly how is the team doing? How is mm. the team performing? How is the community around you? So feeling um, what you do. And that's a really hard shift uh, yeah. to make in your life. And I think that's a refreshing to hear from a CEO that it's still hard for you. Right. Like it, that it is hard. Um, and that I think that's where the self-awareness comes in, right? And I think that it's, it's, 
it's you being aware of that I think does affect the way that you show up. Okay, Nadez, you wanted to get in on this I conversation. I did, I did. So I, you know, I want to say to our listeners, we did not prep Christoph to lead into this article as beautifully as he just did. But, you know, the when you, you know, grow, it's sort of less about you. It's not about you. I think flows really nicely into this this article that Pahu and I talked about at the top of the show. And I know you've had a chance to read how inclusive is your leadership? And it feels to me that in some ways, before you probably went through any training or whatever, like this feels a little organic. It feels like this was always a little bit of your personality, being inclusive in others and your love of people. So I want to ask, this is going to be the big, super unfair question. You read the article. Like, how did it, how did it hit you? Did, it, did you relate to it? Was there anything surprising in there for you? It's okay if you didn't like it. I liked it. It's, um, it's sometimes when we ask that question, how inclusive are you? How inclusive is your leadership? How inclusive is your organization? It's not a question that gets answered by a yes or a no, uh, right, right, or it's good right. or it's bad. It's never enough and you're never there and you can always get better. And the concept of mirroring uh, that I've learned about yeah. uh, in the article, I was not familiar with but I could relate to it. It was one of those aha moments of saying, well, it's a new perspective. I've never used that word um, either. So I've learned something and made me think. That's really fascinating. And we probably should explain for, for those listening yeah, so, who don't have the article in front of them what mirroring is. And you know, Nadesh, even though you and I have mirrored, I don't know that, that we have like used that term to I describe that. I don't think so. That. Like, I think that actually this article named something that I was like, oh, that's what I was doing. Named a bunch of things, which we've actually talked about in this podcast before. We have. Um, and so mirroring listeners, it, what that means is the things that um, leaders of color employees of color feel they need to do, the, the things we mimic, the things we mirror in order to get noticed, in order to get appreciated, and in order to be incentivized, because these are the things that we see our white colleagues doing or our white leaders doing. And so we are mirroring those in order to be, to be seen and perceived as professional. So that is what Christoph is talking about. And I can't imagine how hard that must be. It's exhausting. And how exhausting <laughs> is yes. the word I wanted to use as well. And if you need to do that over and over again, yeah. all your life, right? I can't imagine how, how you must feel. So what do we do? You now know that. We now know this. The best is to talk about it. Yeah. And it's to be aware of it. And, and knowing that there's a lot of people around us, around me, who need to behave differently than who they truly are. That when they cross the door of the building, join the team, they can't be their full selves. Yeah. They need to be different. They need to behave differently. This is not only extremely hard, but it's extremely unfortunate because the beauty of diversity is the fact that people are different. Right. That people behave differently. Absolutely. That people have different ideas. That, that people want to contribute differently. That's the essence of creativity, of innovation, of entrepreneurship. And 
especially in the business world where everyone is talking about growth, mm-hmm. there is no growth without innovation. There is no innovation without creativity. There is no creativity without diversity. Right. So why are we missing step one? I don't know. And I, I think I might even said it on the, on the podcast before, we often look for and hire for difference and we'll onboard for sameness. Why do we keep doing that? And I think that the, maybe it is the, the not wanting to talk about it, the not wanting to bridge, which is another piece in, in this article about how even leaders of color, we mm-hmm. need to figure out a way that we bond within the workplace, which we found, you right. and I, here at the St. Paul Minnesota Foundation and also in this podcast. We did, but you know, it makes a lot of sense that if I, as a leader of color, am mirroring a, a white leader, that in that mirroring, I'm going to treat other staff of color the same way the same I'm way. Being, the same way I'm being treated. So we and keep so it's perpetuating, a perpetuating it. cycle that happens that you sometimes don't even realize is happening until you have that moment, someone calls you out on it, or you read the article and you're like, Oh, that's what that is, or that's what that's what I'm doing. And I and I wonder, you know, now now that you know that, right? And you've got you've got a team, you've got differences. Do you imagine that there might be different ways that you interact with folks in hopes of letting them know they don't have to mirror as letting much as them they know might, you know you know that they they might be doing that and they don't have to. You know, without knowing the term of mirroring, which I've learned in the article, it's a topic that has run in my mind for for many, many years, Uh, but probably unconsciously. And I was thinking the other day, after reading the article, how do I deal with it myself? Mm. And I've usually asked that question uh, with leaders of colors, um, uh, with with women, uh, with people who are very different than me. Um, I've continuously asked them, how does it feel? to be a woman in our organization. How does it feel to be a person of color and working with me? Because I was trying to understand and break through that wall of this mirroring, uh, which I was not aware of, but it's really trying to understand how do you feel? How do you live? Uh, How real is it for you? Are you pretending? Are you faking? Are you mirroring? Uh, to use that that new term, which is something I hate. Mm-hmm. I want to have people around me feeling they can be and behave the way they are, the way that's driving them. And that's why I'm asking those questions. And I've learned many years ago that one of the key things in leadership is followership. Mm. And that was a new concept as well for me, which at the core is really understanding how do people feel about themselves when they interact with me. Mm. And it's important how they feel about themselves, not just about how they feel. And it's pretty close to this perspective of mirroring. You can't feel great about yourself if you can't behave as like yourself, yourself, like yourself. Like yourself. Yes, that totally makes so sense. So pieces are a bit coming together and it's really part of that understanding that diversity, inclusion, equity is a journey. You're never there. You always learn. And hopefully 
you understand, you adjust, you grow, you get better, and you discover new things, as mirroring for me when I read this article. I, I love, and I'm like sitting with it, I love that you have been having conversations like this before, before somebody gave you names and a toolkit. You know, you were just, and I think it goes to your point where you said you love people, so I think it's organic for you. I'd love to ask you if, if you feel comfortable sharing, because I think it would be really helpful to our listeners. Have you ever had one of those conversations where somebody admitted that they were challenged or that they didn't feel comfortable? And, you know, how did you how did you help that relationship grow or, or help them feel like themselves in the workplace? You know, one of the thoughts, and I have to be very careful here, because I want to make a very clear difference between how that happens for people of color and for white people. Mm. But there's one moment in my own career that was 10 years ago that, that struck me about people not being able to behave the way they truly are. When I joined the company, I got um, a year later uh, the chance to run uh, one of our large businesses with a very strong culture, very common and control, very white male driven. Really, let's put it in good terms, at the beginning of the whole journey that I truly wanted to lead. And it was after six months uh, working with the leadership team and we got together, 50 people together in a room here in Egan. And we made one of those psychological tests and one of the questions was around introvert and extrovert. And the results were 98% of the 50 people in the room were extrovert. And I looked at the team and said, that cannot be true. It can't be 98% extrovert in this room. And I made something I shouldn't have done. I picked on someone, one of the senior leaders, and I said, you, John. And his name was John. <laughs> <laughs> You're not an extrovert. You're an introvert and an exceptionally effective introvert. And he looks at me and he said, You're right. But in order to be successful in this company, you have to behave like an extrovert. Mm, wow. And again, this is no comparison sure. with what people of color are experiencing. But it was one of those small moments that was ringing a major bell in my mind of saying, my God, people have to behave differently than who they truly are in the company. This is just wrong. And that was a game-changing moment of saying, show up as you are every single day. Be respectful, respect our values. Obviously, don't behave like a jerk. That's not what I'm saying. It's be yourself. And as a company, as an organization, cherish that, leverage that, nurture that, and we'll become better. And when I think 10 years ago, where we were and where we are today, we've made an unbelievable progress in the meantime. But there are those moments that are so essential mm. to create the turn that I truly needed. That's a great example of that, another that's kind of really mirror. crystal clear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the kind of my thoughts 
on that story is, and maybe some of our listeners might, might, might be thinking, saying to themselves right at this moment, are you ready for my authentic self? Right? Are you ready to accept me in the way that I really actually want to show up? And we had a guest here a couple of podcasts ago where they said, this is the, it's not being able to show up authentically. It's having to mirror that actually is the, the thing that kills us slowly every day because we can't be ourselves, right? And so one of the, and I should, for our listeners, go back to the reason why we were assigned this, this article was following George Floyd's murder, many companies made big statements condemning the death, of course, but also de- declaring we were going to do things differently. We did the same thing. At the foundation, we made a statement. And one of the, and we were doing a bunch of things, but one of the things was we as a senior leadership team read this piece. But I wanted our white senior leadership counterparts to know what you have now discovered too, um, Christoph, by having read the piece, about what we have to do, what Nadezh and I have to do, that they may not have to, not even be aware of, right? That affects the way that we show up. And so I think it does start by just awareness, having those conversations. And that piece allowed us to have that conversation. And I, I think for, for you, I mean, I don't know that I have an expectation of, of, of what you will do with this piece. And I, we mentioned that this was just a jumping off point for our conversation, but I think to have that learning spirit, right? To have that long life learner in us, to come into anything that we do, especially in a leadership role with humility to say, we we don't know everything. And the discoveries are often not the rocket scientist discoveries. Sometimes the discoveries are just these little moments where, it has such a huge impact. And it sounds like for you 10 years ago, that made an impact on your leadership and how you go about leading your folks. It's those defining moments that are important to capture. And you mentioned um, George Floyd's murder. When that happened, there was this initial thought of saying, we need to communicate and make big statements and what we think about it and what we will do. This is not what we did. Mm. I talked to our EcoEssence community. It's our African-American community in the company is called EcoEssence. And I reached out to many of them and I realized it was not the moment of making big statements and commitments. It was the moment to pause and listen. And I remember it was just the day after we organized the call because we were in the pandemic. We were all remote at home. Still. As we know, still. And I was sitting outside on the porch uh, with my family. They were all uh, on, on, on the bench as well, so together with me. And we had hundreds of people on the call. And we just listened. And everyone could speak up what was running on their mind, what that meant for them. We just listened. We've taken a lot of time listening during that call, other listening sessions, making sure people could express themselves. Listening was more important than talking at that time. Mm. I think that's really powerful because I think 
everything we've been talking about is a little bit about the historical failure to listen. Yeah, we haven't been listening, right? in in our In our corporate spaces, in our office spaces, an environment was created. We brought new people in, but we didn't hear them when they when they said to us, either verbally or non-verbally, in their discomfort, in their displeasure, that this isn't working for us. And instead, historically, what we said is, mm, they're not a good fit. And we kept yeah. hiring. And instead of hiring for difference and onboarding for sameness, we hired for sameness and onboarded for sameness. And what I really mm-hmm. value about what you're saying is, um, and and the distinction you're making between even you know white folks and um, folks of color is, there are so many layers to that that you have to stop and listen because otherwise you won't really hear what somebody is trying in their own way to tell you. And, and I, and I just think that, you know, I, I imagine your the, the team appreciated that. And I, frankly, I think, you know, folks listening to this call will appreciate hearing that that was kind of where you came from, that listening was important. Um, and so there's a question here, I promise. I'm not just going to keep <laughs> rambling at you. But so now that, you know, we've gone through that, it's not over, but that 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 moment, that that catalytic moment is is, you know, behind us, but we're still living in it. How do you keep that listening and that engagement and that letting people feel authentic at the forefront of the work while doing the everyday important work of, you know, running a major business? It's to be disciplined and it's to avoid the shortcuts of saying, well, I need to go about my business and um, asking how you feel. How is it to interact with me? How is it to live in the company? You might choose to say, okay, I don't have time for that. It's a crazy world out there. It's been difficult for everyone. Everyone is exhausted. It's the third year getting into the pandemic. It's resisting to the temptation of taking the shortcut. And when I took the job as CEO a year ago, one of my big focus was listening. And I said, I'm going to listen to our frontline people. I'm going to listen to our leaders. I'm going to listen to our customers. And I'm going to listen to our ERGs, our community groups um, in the company. And I've talked to hundreds of people. That was the beauty of the virtual meetings, yeah. uh, in a way, if there is something positive into that whole um, uh, pandemic, we could have people from around the world. And we spent hours with hundreds of people, and I even did it a few weeks ago. So it was every couple of weeks um, that I had a chance to interact with people. And it didn't only help me listening uh, to the team, but the team was listening to each other. So you had people from Brazil, from South Africa, from Australia, from the US, listening to others who didn't know each other, which is the beauty and the challenge of large organizations um, as well. So it's to get organized around this listening. It's not just hoping and doing that by coincidence, plan for it, take the time to truly listen and do something as well about it, because that was the next question. Uh, I had many people saying, what have you heard? 
<laughs> fair question. <laughs> Which fair is a question. fair question saying, it's great you're listening, but if you don't do anything about it, well, that was nice, but it's not really And I'll, I'll add, what have you heard? And then, and then how did it change your behavior? This is a loaded question, Pahua. Yes, um, sorry, but I think all of our listeners want to know. <laughs> I've heard so many things. Uh, the thing that was the most inspiring to me was that the organization loved the purpose of the company. Mm -hmm. We're a company that's not just producing stuff. Uh, our purpose is protect people and the resources vital to life. When we think about COVID, well, it's about protecting people from infections. When we talk about preserving natural resources, this is climate change, this is water scarcity, this is all what nature um, is making a face because of everything we've done against her, obviously, so over the last few years or uh, centuries. And people are truly moved, inspired, driven by this mission, this purpose we have that's relevant everywhere yeah. around the world and especially the new generation. And when I was hearing that, I said, wow, it's not just a purpose that's written at the entrance of the building. People believe in it and yeah. people want to really live it and do something um, about it. That's really on the positive side. Then there is the less positive side, um, obviously. Um, talking to women, talking to pregnant women, talking to people of colors and saying, we've made progress, but could we move faster? When we talk about our objectives as a company for 2030, where I've made the commitment, we will have full representation by 2030. I thought 2030 is pretty quick. Well, this is not what the team felt. It's yeah. saying it's <laughs> 10 years or eight years. Um, now, this is a long time. Can we go quicker? And for me, the answer is, Yes, we should go quicker. I mm. want to make sure as well, at the same time, to your question, Paua, on how did it change my behavior? I had to resist of just saying, yes, we uh. can just go quicker. Yeah. And not having a plan to go quicker. That's mm. faking it. Yes. This is not who I am. This is not the right thing to do. So it's stepping back and saying, yes, you have a point. Let's do that together. Let's go faster, but let's have a plan. It mm -hmm. can't just be a commitment out there that you can't reach and you don't know how to get there. And I think that that leads to part of the exhaustion that we feel out in the community is after those declarations, after those big statements, and words matter, of course, but words have to follow up with action, right? And so it's really great to hear, let's start with the plan. It, the, the, it's, the goal isn't just to go faster, but go faster with what? and go faster with whom, right? and for what reason. And who does it? And who does it? Who gets to lead? And I had a chance to talk to investors this morning who were really focused um, on ESG and especially on the social component. And I didn't have to rehearse because I know the facts very well. So it doesn't last five years. In the company, we have 50% more women in the executive ranks. We have 30% more people of colors We've made progress yeah. and still it's not fast enough. But the most important thing is it can't be the company 
Where he's like, hey, who is the company? <laughs> right. Um, it's like you saying the legal entity of the company is not enough. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, it's you know the city, the state, the federal government. You say, like, hey, who is it? We need a name for that, and that's why we translated that um, eighteen months ago into accountability for leaders and managers, and to say you're going to have an objective by 2030. That's where you are, and by the way. Every year, we're going to give you your objective in terms of representation mm. on your own team. The first year was really rough because suddenly, for everyone thinking, yeah, it's about the companies, and now it's about me. It's about right. what am I doing with my wow. team right. and how much progress am I making. First year was really rough. Second year was last year. We've reached our objectives, which is Great, and that's what's important. And now we can accelerate because we're demonstrating that it's real and it's personal. That's that's really fantastic. And I think a fantastic way to sort of close out this conversation because here I sit with two extroverts as the lone introvert. And so we could probably be here for another few hours if I don't interrupt. You mirror well in that, by the I way. Do. You mirror extrovert well. I am an introvert with extrovert <laughs> tendencies when I'm comfortable. Um, but... Christoph, we'd like to give our guests a chance to just um, have a final reflection on our conversation. And we've talked about a lot here and just wanted, you know, is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with about this topic or your experience as a leader? It's coming back um, where we were a few minutes ago, which is being driven by how much good you're making around you should be what's driving you and not what's good for you, yourself, uh, as an individual, uh, as a leader, as a community uh, partner. No, it's, it's thinking how much impact you have on the team around you, how much impact you have on the community around you, how much impact you have on the nature. And it's really keeping in mind as well how much do you help people around you feel good about themselves when they interact with me, with you, and uh, being in the company or the organization that you're in? And it's a very different way to look at people interaction, at families, at communities, and at leadership. It's been game-changing for me, and I hope it's going to be game-changing for many. Thank you, Christoph. I, I certainly feel good about myself when I interact with you. And I think that is the feeling that my staff and community members who've been in your presence feel when they get the opportunity to interact with you. So I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Nadej, Pahua, thank you so much. Thank you. Pahua. Yeah. How lucky have we been with the guests on this podcast? Extremely lucky. I mean, I feel like some of them we knew but not in the way that we got to know them through this podcast, through our conversations with them. I know. I, I have taken at least one thing, usually like five or six things, from every episode. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how to incorporate them into the way I show up. And I think you and I started this podcast because we thought we would have fun, but I think we ended up having way more fun. And they had fun, yes. hopefully. Yes. With us. And I hope our listeners are having fun too. I hope you're having fun. This is for you. <laughs> <laughs> we joke, we laugh, but we also learn. And this has just been 
such a great experience. It has been a great experience. Thank you for, for listening to us. We so appreciate you. Thank you for listening to I So Appreciate You. You can find us on Facebook at I So Appreciate You Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at So Appreciate You. We'd also appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review. And if you like our show, be sure to follow I So Appreciate You on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Have a question or a topic suggestion? Email us at podcast at spmcf.org. Thank you for listening to I So Appreciate You.